Welcome to the Why Did I Get Cancer podcast. I'm Deborah Herlax Enos, a small town girl turned TV nutritionist and healthy living expert. I design health programs for the average guy or gal, including those average guys named Metallica. On September 1st, 2020, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I asked every oncologist the same question, why did I get cancer? But none of my doctors had good answers for me. I wanted answers and that's why I started this podcast. I wanna help you to lower your cancer risk and provide self-care tips for those in the battle. I'm getting answers and I wanna share them with you. I learned so much from today's guest, Kelly Ryerson, also known as the glyphosate girl. Um, One of the things that I found so shocking is that there are actually two different types of Roundup, and that's glyphosate is the active ingredient there. There's a Roundup we sell in the U.S., And then there's another roundup that they sell to Europe because Europe has a higher standard and they don't want as many chemicals and toxins in their environment. And it sounds like this lower tox version of roundup is actually effective. So why can't we sell that here in the United States? So yes, I found today's podcast really disturbing because we are just annihilating our land and also the people who work the land and then the people who are consuming the products from the land with using so much glyphosate. You've got to listen to today's podcast with glyphosate girl, Kelly Ryerson. It was eye-opening. And I have to tell you at the same time, I found today's podcast a little bit frustrating, but I also walked away with a lot of information. Information is power. So I highly encourage you to give it a listen so you can take the appropriate steps to make you and your family healthier. Okay, today is a topic that I'm just, I'm so suspicious that this might be one of my contributors to breast cancer. And today's conversation is with Kelly Ryerson, also known as the glyphosate girl. And for a lot of you, you either probably know a lot about glyphosate, or this might be the first time you're hearing this word. So Kelly, welcome to Why Did I Get Cancer? And First of all, what is glyphosate and why are you so darn interested in it? Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I, you know, I I am so pleased that people are starting to learn what this is because it's extremely important both to our health and to our environment. And it's something that's been around a long time. Glyphosate is the active ingredient in the weed killer Roundup. And it is the most used herbicide and actually pesticide with herbicides being a category underneath it um, in the world. And it has long been marketed as something that's completely non-toxic and there is no problem to human health or animal health or soil health or anything. Um, And I certainly disagree. And fortunately, more and more evidence is coming out Mm -hmm. about this chemical that we really need to be having our eyes on it. Um, a little history on glyphosate. So glyphosate was discovered in 1960 and it was being developed for potential use as a pharmaceutical. And they weren't able to find any pharmaceutical uses for it. And so they did notice, however, that it could be used effectively as a pipe cleaner or a metal boil cleaner because it was able to Mm -hmm. bind to minerals and make it easier to clean. Oh boy. It was used uh, very successfully in industry for for cleaning. Um, And along the way, they noticed that it had this great ability to also kill um, 
weeds and it was a really effective herbicide. So Monsanto actually bought it and Monsanto, the very notorious um, chemical agriculture company, uh, bought it and turned it into what we now know as Roundup. And so they took glyphosate and they added a surfactant to it and some water and um, and the surfactant is like a soapy substance that allows it to penetrate into leaves. And they took it, it's called POEA is the one we use in the United States, which actually is a type of surfactant that they banned in Europe. And so the European formulation is actually considerably less toxic than the one we use in the United States. So they're bothering to make two different ones. We get the bad one. And so it hit the market and it was really popular for use in landscapes and in agriculture. Then, you know, along the way in the 90s, the Monsanto is like, well, we can actually, they were losing patent on um, glyphosate. So they needed to figure out a new way to keep on making money off of this blockbuster pesticide. And they were well along the way to developing genetically modified seeds. Now, this is something that's really interesting to me because most of my life GMOs have been around. I have always thought the people that criticized GMOs were anti-technology because I don't know if it's because I'm from Silicon Valley, but I thought that that was a little bit overreactive to think that GMOs would necessarily be poor for health. However, turned out when they were developing it, the key idea was to make it tolerant to the use of Roundup. So you could spray as much Roundup as you wanted on these seeds and on these crops and they would still live. Oh my gosh. And these are called Roundup Ready. Is that what I'm is that what I've heard? That's right. So so they're called Roundup Ready. Um you there's Roundup Ready soy, Roundup Ready corn, mm. um Roundup Ready cotton, Roundup Ready alfalfa, Roundup Ready um sugar beets and and now you, when you're driving across the country if you're ever <laughs> if you ever do a cross country trip and you drive through our bread basket in our heartland. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely astounding. I really wish more people that lived on the coast would drive through there because it is just on all the highways, left and right, left and right. That is all it is. It's just these GMO crops. And it's appalling and shocking. And when you're driving with me, you'd be really annoyed because I can't stop being aghast. Like (laughs) those miles and miles. I was recently driving through Indiana with my son and he was like, oh my gosh, I get it. Mom, stop. Mom, stop. Everywhere. everywhere. (laughs) There are those signs that are Roundup Ready, but a lot of times it's just an assumption. I think it's 90% now of the corn that's grown in our country is GMO. A side note on that that's really interesting is that Mexico recently banned, they they decided they were no longer going to import American GMO corn, particularly because they want to ban glyphosate because they know of its carcinogenic potential. Really? So they said they're going to do that. And it's it's a big war right now because the United States said, absolutely not. There's no evidence that this causes human harm. And they're like, actually, there's substantial evidence, but our State Department is putting huge pressure on Mexico to continue um, importing it because it's a big market for us. Meanwhile, there are actually a lot of farmers in the United States that are thinking this is a great opportunity to be able to change off of the GMO pattern and go and grow non-GMO corns and return some native varieties. But the United States is holding strong to protect industry. So, so wow. it's really quite something. So it sounds like our government maybe doesn't have our health in mind. I mean, absolutely not. In fact, the yeah. the residue levels that they allow on uh, of glyphosate and of Roundup on American crops in general is so much higher than what they allow in Europe. It is really disgusting. Mm. And the way that they set these levels of safety are specifically what 
the industry group's request. Like, how much are they going to need to spray this year? And they tell the EPA, and the EPA will adjust those maximum residue levels according to what the industry asks for. So there's actually no science behind what those levels are. Very frustrating. So there's, we're basically poisoning people. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what's happening. There is poison being sprayed. And And varying amounts. Like, I mean, some some years it might be a lot and maybe some years it's a moderate amount. And how much is safe? And and I would argue that it's like one part per billion. It's, It's a tiny minuscule amount in the diet that is, is, possibly okay. And damage has been shown to the microbiome mm-hmm. at tiny levels. That it's it's definitely <sighs> contaminated our water. It's in the air. Um, it's burned with uh, ethanol actually is um, mm. made from GMO corn and GMO corn has a lot of glyphosate in it. So when the ethanol hits the gas tank and then it's burned, it's, you know, it, it can get into the air that way. <laughs> and, and so there really wow. is no avoiding this in, you know, down to the fact that it is in cotton, it's in tampons. And and so that's really easy to be picking it up through these different sanitary products. and Right. Or cotton sheets. Did I, did I hear you say something earlier um, about there's two different types of Roundup? Basically, Europe requires a Roundup with fewer chemicals? Yes. So this is so distressing and angering. And I wish, and I've actually complained to the government many times about this. I don't understand why we can't, if they are capable of making an effective product that's less toxic, why? And it's obviously cheaper to make. So the United States doesn't seem to have any care when it comes to pesticides, it appears to me. Um, And yeah, and so this this really, really toxic surfactant that I think actually has a lot to do with how toxic it is on our microbiome and causing um, inflammation. We mm-hmm. get that one and Europe said they, they actually won't use POEA, the surfactant in anything. So they banned it a long time ago, knowing just how toxic it is. So we're spraying this one um, and this combination of glyphosate plus this POEA and then this is the real kicker. There was a French scientist, um, Dr. Seralini. He did a study to see what actually is in the formulated product. Like he bought the bottle of Roundup. He's like, what exactly is in it? And he mm-hmm. actually found a, a bunch of arsenic and heavy metals also within this formulated product. Oh my gosh. So now we have heavy metals, we have POEA and we have glyphosate. And this is the most used pesticide we have in this country and around the world. But the particularly toxic kind here. Right. No wonder why we are ill. And I'm sure that, you know, you've got plenty of studies that you can cite of maybe people who are in closer contact with Roundup. So farmers, I come from a farm family and I remember when my dad started using Roundup, you know, it was the seventies and, you know, we were told it's going to increase your yields and, you know, farming is not easy. So if you can increase your yields and not hurt anybody, and it's not toxic, you're going to try it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, I have so much compassion now and I meet with farmers that use it regularly. And it's really sad because they're in a financial bind to be using these chemicals. And a lot of the subsidies that really almost all the subsidies that our country gives in each farm bill goes only to this this chemical farming model. Like if you're if you're a farmer and you want to do organic farming or you want to use low levels of chemical, you don't want to do GMO, you can't get subsidies. Or the subsidies are extremely small. 
So wow. Okay. They also will only provide the subsidies to a certain level of a certain quantity of farms. So you have to have a big farm of GMOs and chemical spraying in order to get the subsidies from the government. Okay. So there's no incentive. <laughs> so I'm just letting this sink in. So you get government money if you comply with the chemical model, which studies have shown is hurting the farmer, all the animals on the farm, the people who are consuming and the farm workers. That's, that's what you're saying. That's right. And the government makes sure that that keeps on happening. This is entirely, they could completely change the model if they decided they were going to support real farming and abandon this chemical farming model. And, or at least, you know, give right. equal playing time. There, fortunately, there are a lot of activists that are in there that right now um, with regenerative farming, trying to get at least more access to loans because uh, that's another big economic piece of why we still have this GMO stuff. But when you have Bayer, who, which bought Monsanto, and these other enormous corporations going in there and saying, listen, you know, this is what we want. This is the money we're putting into it. This is the decision you're going to make. And by the way, EPA regulator, we have a fancy spot for you here on our executive board as soon as you leave the EPA. If you make this happen for us, it just repeatedly happens. And I went with the group Moms Across America organized a panel um, at the EPA and we brought doctors. I don't know if any of you know Dr. Zach Bush. He was there. We had um, toxicologists. We had another scientist and we went to the EPA and we presented two times to the board of pesticides. All the evaluators were there. And we said, this is the problem with glyphosate. And we listed all of these effects and they said, what you're telling us is just anecdotal. There is nothing in here that's actually scientifically factual. And we said, but we have this huge stack of independent peer-reviewed research that shows that this is what's happening. It's not like we're just saying, oh, chemicals are bad. This is actually what's happening. And they said, well, if you want anything to actually change with the way that we look at it, you're going to need to change everything that's going on over at the Hill. Like, so... That was really shocking. I started digging even further into it. And I'm like, so who ultimately is making this decision? Like, who's the person that's saying, is it Biden? Biden slash Trump? Who is it? And I uncovered this agency that is actually within the executive branch um, that's called OIRA. And it is a group of economists that sit there. And anytime any important regulation is going to be made by any of our regulators, like the, you know, the, um, whether it be the USDA, FDA, or EPA, that regulation will go in and they will do a cost-benefit analysis and absolutely not weigh in the cost of massive human health and disease, and they don't correlate it. And so they're like, well, this would be a huge economic cost to the farmer, and so therefore we won't you know, move forward on, on halting the spray. So I, I feel like the end is right there between the corporations and the economists. It's frustrating and anger producing and just head shaking because of the lack of common sense. And so you can you can't weigh human costs. They won't look at studies that say, look, you know, there are areas in our country called Cancer Alley and, you know, Mississippi River. I've heard Dr. Mark Hyman talk about that many times that people, you know, toward the end of that river farm communities, cancer is off the charts. Absolutely off the charts. Yeah. Oh, it's so sad down there. 
in the entire dead zone that's down there in the Gulf of Mexico where all the chemicals, I mean, it's just a toxic soup. So it's called a dead zone? Yeah. Really? I didn't hear, I didn't know about that. So there's an area where like this, just all the chemicals, just... Just no aquatic life can yeah. possibly live. Great. Or human life, for that matter. The cancer numbers are horrendous, yeah. as you said. And the, and the people who are getting sick, I'll just say it, are usually poor people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, almost always. Always, yeah. Because, I mean, again, I understand the farm community. And, you know, I think most small farms make less than $50,000 a year. For small farms. Oh yeah, many are actually under the poverty line. Right. They're just trying to make. They're just meat. trying to make it, and so who's getting sick? Yeah, people who lower socioeconomic. Completely, and it's it's so unfair. And you know, Monsanto had a long dark history of going ahead and dumping all of their toxic experiments into the backyards of these communities, and it's sickening. And they really have never been held to task for that. Like they've never. I, lawsuits haven't gone through. It just is so upsetting to see what can happen to these communities when, you know, they're poor communities. And of course, the same is true with the farming communities um, in terms of the Mexican farm workers that we have in California, actually now across the country. And it's a horrendous situation there where they're out there spraying and oftentimes they return back to Mexico just to die when they have the cancer. And so what is that? You know, they, they do have some lawyers that are advocating for them, but without the policy changes, it's really going to not make any difference. Right. And it's going to be a, a long, expensive battle. And the people who are fighting it now aren't going to be here to see the result. No. Because they're exactly. sick. Exactly. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're very, very sick. And what's so hard about it is like that when we say sick, it's not just cancer. It's so many different conditions. So many different things. And it changes DNA. Yeah. So you're passing it down from generation to generation. So the legacy you're leaving your children and grandchildren is illness, chronic inflammation, all these things that we know about, but can't seem to get across the finish line yeah. for real change. And I sit, I yeah. sit back and I, I often wonder all of us are touched in some way by illness, whether it's a family member, ourselves or a child or what is it? And I, I just, I don't understand how those personal experiences haven't been enough for people in power to, to want to make that change. Even the people that say work at bear, what about them? You know, they must be touched by cancer in some way who, who isn't. So it, it really baffles me. I think you all know how much I love ButcherBox. Probably the biggest driver for me is the quality. And I love that ButcherBox focuses on small family fisheries so they know who's fishing the, for the sockeye salmon. And they also focus on small family ranches where, again, they visit these ranches and they, they know that these animals are being treated humanely. And that is probably my biggest driver. I also had many of you reach out to me and tell me, hey, I want to try ButcherBox, but I don't want to commit to a full year. So I have great news for you. You can go ahead and use my code and sign up for as long as you want. Of course, right now we're doing the free bison in every box and you still get the free bison in every box and $20 off of your first box. So all you have to do is go to butcherbox.com forward slash Enos and then use the code Enos and then you're gonna get $20 off of your first order and then free bison in every box for up to a year. 
This is a great opportunity to just try out ButcherBox without having to commit to 12 months. I have to tell you, I get so excited when I get that delivery box at my front door because I know it's going to be incredibly high quality protein that honestly, I can't get in any supermarkets near my home. So give ButcherBox a try. I think you'll love them. Now I want to move on to, I'm a glass half full kind of gal, but this conversation just makes me really sad. So what can the average person do for a couple of things? One, how do you protect yourself and protect your family? And then the second part of that conversation is how do we participate in creating change in this area in our country? Mm Well, so I, the, the only way that I can continue going on on all the <laughs> focusing on glyphosate and this area is because I do have hope. I think that the problem right now is that most people don't know about it. Um, and the reason why they don't know about it is because there are so many front groups that are out there that are paid for not only by the corporations, but by the government themselves. And they, uh, there's a whole um, campaign, Feed the Mind, that the FDA put out. It's literally called that. And it's like a website and it's educational, an educational platform so people can better understand how amazing GMOs are and the associated chemicals. So their argument is the problem is people just don't understand it. If we explain to them how safe it is, that they, they'll all embrace it. So we have that. We have um, a front group that that funds something called GMO Answers. Um, and GMO Answers is literally funded by PR groups that Bayer hired. And that they hired a bunch of academics to come on, people with PhDs, and they're paid to give answers about how safe all these chemicals are to be eating. And so there's so many of these groups and you have articles in Forbes and, and all over the place that you start realizing are just fake paid reports and some of the um, academic studies as yeah. well that that the EPA bases their evaluation on um, are paid for and ghostwritten by Monsanto themselves. And, and so what I think mm. is the hugest hurdle is no one wants to be poisoned by this at all. But without the information front and center, without more people like you talking right. about it, it's just really almost impossible to get the information out. And even in, you know, I, I founded right. this website, Glyphosate Facts, to try and be that educational platform that people could find that I was looking for. And even then, the the search um, algorithms on Google aren't going to necessarily bring me anywhere near the top. And and because there's just so much money going into these, huh. these other front ones. And so it's a competing thing there. Um, I have had my blog broken into by them to make sure that this stuff doesn't get out there. I mean, it is just so hard. So my hope is that just in the last six months even, so this is really recent, more people have asked what the heck is glyphosate and what are we actually eating? And I think this is in accordance and correlation with people just having so many conditions, cancer, autoimmune conditions, just so many of their kids are sick. My own kids had issues, like bad issues, really bad ocular migraines and um, digestive issues and ADHD. And I was able to reverse them by becoming conscious of what I was feeding them. But I do feel hopeful. I think that between documentaries, there's another, there's one coming out that I was involved in called Common Ground, and that should be available. It's actually coming to theaters this fall, and then it'll be on Netflix later. So that's very exciting. Okay, yeah, very exciting. And then once you have the information, you can do your best to avoid it. Now, we can't entirely mm-hmm. avoid glyphosate. 
but you can certainly massively decrease your exposure to glyphosate. And then that's one less thing you need to worry about. And that is, that's encouraging. How do we, how do we do that? <laughs> yes. So what we do is, is, so organic food is first and foremost, the best decision you can make for yourself. And I know you've been a proponent of that for a really long time. And it is so important, not just with glyphosate, but with a number of different endocrine disrupting um, chemicals that are on there that can potentiate the effects, the estrogenic effects and lead to breast cancer. So, so Eating, choosing organic is great. Unfortunately, some organic food will have glyphosate residues because in organic farming, instead of using synthetic fertilizers, they use manure from animals as the fertilizer, but the animals have eaten the GMO corn or soy, and then they have glyphosate in it. And then in the manure is the glyphosate. Okay. So So it's hard. hard. (laughs) So that's actually a little point of policy that I think that they need to address. The manure should only be from organically fed animals. Okay, that is that is yeah. I was wondering because it because it it's insidious. It seems to be everywhere. So how how do you yeah. keep organic actually organic? Oh yeah. my gosh, it's so hard. And there's a pro, there's another group that I really like following called the Real Organic mm. Project, and they talk about these things. and And they've been in the organic game forever before people were really okay. talking about it. Um, and and so that is definitely a thing. Now I very, very much love to go to my farmer's market and ask my farmer exactly what they use and what their practices are. And what I'm noticing is that once again, over the last few years, they're more ready to answer because I think more people are asking. So that's exciting. exciting. They They are. This happened to me last week. I went to our little local Sammamish farmer's market last Wednesday night and I, we, I, I pretty much only buy fruits and vegetables at my farmer's market. And I asked this woman, I said, tell me about your your broccoli here because I, I, I'm desperate to get broccoli into my house. She was the only vendor selling it. And I said, so is this non-sprayed? Is it organic? She's like, oh, let me tell you everything. We Between each broccoli row, we have rows of marigolds because the scent of marigolds will you know keep pests away. It's called integrated pest management. And then she told me about how they make this homemade spray with vinegar and like, I just, I said, I'm going to come back every week and buy your broccoli. This is, this was incredible. So they love to talk about it and it's, yeah. yeah. And I, I just really want to support them. Cause it's, it's a pride you know, point. And you right. know, from being on a farm, it's hard. It's really hard to get that kind of yield when you're not using the tools that other people are. So it's really admirable, I think, to go into that. So I, I like to do that and I like to buy it there. I obviously always am talking to my, um, landscaper who comes around and they're mow and blow. And I talk to them about not using Roundup and I have a keen eye on them and it's annoying, but it's just the way it is. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and I actually was I horrified agree. because when I was pregnant with my daughter, um, I was having some landscaping done and I was having some grass pulled out. And I looked out mm-hmm. while I was pregnant, he had sprayed the entire grass with Roundup and killed it all. And it was totally all over the air. And now... I, and, you know, that was before I even knew just how bad it is. Now, anytime I read a study of like pregnant people that are exposed to Roundup, it makes me so sick to my stomach. Oh my gosh. Oh, so, of course, she was born healthy, but uh, that is not the case for all. Great. Well, and I have heard that um, cancer rates are, are much higher on if you live on a golf oh, course. Yes, I know. And that is terrifying too. And, there, and that yeah. should be a really easy thing to change as well. But I guess like the demands for an extremely pristine golf course are, are really. 
Yes, but there are ways to keep a really nice looking yard using all non-chemicals. I mean, my husband, he used to use a lot of Roundup. I will I will say that. But now he will take a blowtorch and he'll go outside and that's how he kills weeds most of the time. And, you know, we also do different things with, you know, vinegars and it, it, and it, I would say it really oh, that's works. That's really grand with the blowtorch. That's really impressive. Yeah, Isn't that cool? cool? He's yeah. He's he's a former military guy, so I think he gets to like you know kind of do his you know army army oh, guy yeah, kind of thing. Macho and, out there. <laughs> totally <Yeah>. macho. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty cute. <laughs> so Kelly, um, you mentioned some foods that are very high in glyphosate. So I think you said cotton. Um, Beets, corn? Well, so, and so those things are, so most of the GMO soy and corn, um, and so GMO soy and corn, typically most of it goes to animal feed. So the amount that humans are actually eating directly is something like 10% of all GMO corn goes, or maybe even a little less, goes to human consumption. And that comes in the form of um, high fructose corn syrup and other processed ingredients. And same is true over on the soybean side. So we actually don't eat much in the way of that. Where we are really highly exposed is in what a process called pre-harvest desiccation. And what that is, is with grains and sugar, which is a variety of legumes, a bunch of different crops, before harvest, they will spray Roundup like just before harvest to try and dry everything evenly and make for a much easier harvest, like a one pass through um, harvesting. And unfortunately, because glyphosate is a systemic herbicide, it does go up into whatever that seed or up into whatever it is. So the um, when the wheat is harvested, it will have a high level of glyphosate in it if that's what they've used. Um, same is true on oats. A lot of these grains are sprayed and it's really unfortunate. And and there has been some pressure to decrease the glyphosate spray, but they're just replacing other chemicals in its place. And some are more toxic than, than glyphosate. So it's really hard. It just needs to be a full halt on pre-harvest spraying and a return to just doing swathing like they used to, which is just cutting it and letting it dry, even though like the crop then is put at greater risk if there's rain, it could mold or sprout. But the alternative is we're all being exposed to these toxicities all the time. It goes straight to the mill and then straight into our food. So if you do a glyphosate test on a bunch of different bread products or hummus, um, you'll see really high levels of glyphosate that are of concern to human health. And um, you'll also find high levels in orange juice, oftentimes, non-organic orange juice because and almonds because they spray around the base of the tree and then it's picked up by the roots and brought up into the fruit ultimately. Same is true, of course, um, with vineyards in wine. It's high levels of glyphosate in wine and, uh, and other herbicides and pesticides as well. And that same scientist who did the study on the heavy metals in Roundup also was involved in a study where he had some sommeliers um, taste wine in, in France and they could get it down to being like, they know what was used, what sprays were used in oh the production gosh. of the grapes. So whatever that oaky taste was actually might've just been, you know, a chemical taste. Oh my gosh. So it is truly, I mean, I hadn't even thought about chemicals in wine um, 
or even orange juice, because of course we look at orange juice like, okay, you know, let, let's start our day right with a big glass of orange juice, which as a nutritionist, I've never actually, to be honest, never actually said that to anybody. Uh, but wine, yes, I'm a consumer. And now this makes me really think about, you know, is that a source yeah. of me getting, yeah. And wow. in fact, today I was at Whole Foods. I'm having some friends over later and I wanted to get two bottles of white organic wine and it was hard mm. to find. And I'm surprised because I know that there, there are a lot of people putting pressure to find some organic wines, but I had to go right. over and find two Italian organic wines. And so I know that part of the problem here in Napa Valley anyway, is that just the contamination is so much in just the haze that hangs over the Napa Valley of pesticides. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. in order to not have that residue, you really have to go far away from the Napa Valley, um, which is what some people are doing. They're going farther up on the coast of California to try and get at least soil that hasn't been contaminated mm-hmm. and then work mm-hmm. around that. But, right. but my hope would be that we should be more snobby about our American wine. <laughs> we should not allow yeah. that. That's like a safe right. thing. It really is. And and it's a shame that you know you had to search so hard to find an organic wine, and you basically had to buy something that wasn't produced here. So, you know, is this whole, you know, um, glyphosate chemical use backfiring now because our government still continues to use it, but yet it's being banned in other countries? It sounds like maybe it is. Oh, yeah, definitely. And in fact, on the grain front, Canada is having a big problem with it too. They use glyphosate like we do. And... Mm exporter, you know, the countries that they export to are really putting some strict limits. So they're really having really? to back, back down. Otherwise they know their export uh, markets are going to be shut to them. So huh. thank goodness for other countries. Right. Cause it sounds like they're really, you know, they leading the more. charge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sounds like they do. Um, so question, how, how do you know you've been exposed to glyphosate and are, is there testing available? Yeah. So I finally did test my urine. Urine is the typical way you can get tested your urine okay. or your hair. And there are labs that will do it. Um, a lab I particularly like is called HRI Labs. And I've sent them many different okay. samples, including my daughter's baby tooth and three semen samples from some some guys to see if glyphosate was in it. And it was in mm-hmm. all three. Um, wow. And showing that glyphosate crosses the blood testes barrier. And it's been shown in when they've done studies in the lab that if you apply glyphosate to the semen, that it will kill the sperm. And so when each time I'm seeing these reports on crashing fertility rates, I'm like, well, I mean, no, no kidding. I, you know, and it also affects the ovary. So, I mean, it's just, this chemical needs to go. Um, but anyway, anyone can test. It would be really shocking not to have any Mm-hmm. I would think, yeah. Glyphosate in your urine, I mean, that would be really miraculous. But one thing that mm-hmm. I think is pretty cool and something that I did is I tested from the beginning. I changed my lifestyle, made some change, some changes. I had, I put a water filter on my home um, mm-hmm. because typically water companies don't even test for glyphosate because it's not considered oh. harmful. <laughs> okay. Well, isn't that good news, Kelly? <laughs> Oh my gosh. So water filter is a good idea. <laughs> okay, so water filter okay. filter will will do a lot in terms of um, stopping glyphosate. So that's good. Okay, that's a pretty great. basic thing. Um, and mm-hmm. and so uh, I do I do that, but you can monitor and then test afterwards and see how much your levels have come down. And and I know mm-hmm. someone that did a series, a sequence of them, and then like didn't eat anything with glyphosate for a week. It came crashing down. Ate one slice of pizza. It went back to its peak 
And because right there you have, once again, the, the wheat component that has been sprayed. So okay. you evaluate and, but it's nice because you do have control. This is something you have control over for, for mm-hmm. sure to a certain extent. You can really minimize your exposure to it with just making the smart decisions. Okay. And it sounds like those smart decisions, adding, having a water filter in your home, of course, you know, trying to, if you have a yard, using alternative pest management instead of, you know, big big thing around it. But then it sounds like maybe avoiding some foods such as high fructose corn syrup and wheat yes, products. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Well, and if you're going to have a wheat product and you aren't gluten intolerant like I am, then just make sure you're having organic. Organic grains will not be sprayed like that. Okay. And so organic grains are not sprayed at all during the process and at the harvest, because that's when you said typically, yeah, go in and spray again. Okay. Exactly. So the soil won't have it. They don't spray it before planting Okay, and they won't spray it. They won't spray it period, which is great. Okay. The only exposure you're going to have is that manure point that I made earlier, but that's small in comparison to what it would be if it was sprayed out. Yeah. Okay. So, and the other thing to keep in mind too is that remember, if we go back to um, it's originally it was originally developed as a binder for minerals. So originally it was a mineral binder. It does the same thing in soil. So our crops are often really lacking the nutrients that we need, which is why I mean I don't know about you, but I'm supplementing magnesium and zinc and all of these things that should be in our food but are no longer there. I hadn't even considered that. So it changes the mineral content of the soil. It changes the mineral content in terms of what is bioavailable to the crop mm-hmm. itself. So the glyphosate will be in the soil and it'll bind to those minerals and then they can't, manganese, none of it can make it up into the crop. And so I look around, I see all this anxiety and depression. I mean, there are a lot of causes of that, right. but I'm like, if you could just give everyone magnesium and zinc supplements just to start, I mean, what a difference that would mm-hmm. make. None of us have it Right. food. Right. Yeah. And, and low magnesium, you know, impacts sleep, eye twitching, anxiety, muscle recovery. I mean, the, the list goes on and on as to why we need minerals, especially magnesium. Yeah. And so it's so funny to me because I had a doctor when I was in my terrible illness and I realized I was deficient in all of these things. And I, um, and she was Stanford and Harvard trained and she said, you know, none of that really matters. You know, that's just sort of a thing. People like just like to sell vitamins. None of those levels really matter. And of course, like someone that studied biology that she, I didn't, but she did. Right. I to think those are the fundamental parts of how our body right. is just really remarkable to me. Wow. So, wow. No longer my doctor. Yeah, that sounds like a really, really good shift you made. So it, it sounds like... Um, we just really need to pay attention because we're getting hit with glyphosate and glyphosate misinformation. Yes. All the time, because you said there's these front groups that will, you know, they're maybe they're hired by Monsanto and they're talking about how great, you know, these chemicals are. So we really have to protect not only just our bodies, but also what we're reading and make sure we do our own due diligence versus just Exactly. Listening to what these groups have to say. And and what they will often say and what you'll see all over the place is they'll say all of the regulators have said that it is causes no harm to human health. They will repeat this all the time. And you if you look up EPA glyphosate, it'll say EPA found no cause for concern for human health. And they repeat this over and over. And no one would even think to question until like they really had reasons they were sick. Okay, well, 
what, what's behind that? I mean, it's a very deep and dark story that they keep on saying this. And it's really, it's just so unethical. And sadly, it looked like Europe was going to not be renewing their registration. And recently they just did a total 180 and they said, oh yeah, we don't see any cause for, you know, concern. <sighs> and it's just so disappointing. So we'll see what happens there. So disappointing. It, it's going to take some work, you know, and, and if we're thinking about just what is one thing I can do today to protect myself and my family, I don't ever want to get cancer again. Where, where would you suggest we start? I think the number one thing to me would be see what is being sprayed around you. If you go mm. to a park, if you go to a dog park, that's another thing. If you have an animal, think about their paws because Roundup can go right up through their paws. And now there's an explosion yep. in lymphoma in animals similar yep. to humans with the exposure. And, um, and so just see what directly is being sprayed around you. Because as you said, that kind of exposure is usually the most when you're really like okay. farmers are having. Then yeah. go to the grocery store. Well, go through your go through your kitchen and see what you have that is highly processed and non-organic. And because you might be saying, "Well, I have all these really healthy foods. I have all this lettuce. I have these veggies and fruits. If they're not organic, they're likely loaded with glyphosate and other chemicals." Mm. So that's a huge thing you can do. And I and organic can be expensive, but it doesn't have to be. And I've been really impressed with what Costco's doing. They have a mm -hmm. lot of organic food and I'll go there and load up each week on all those basics. And so you, you mm -hmm. don't have to spend a whole lot. And um, But it does require us all getting back into the kitchen, which sucks. I mean, I hate that. I don't like it to cook. Does. <laughs> it does suck. I know. And you're tired at the end of the day. You're so tired. Right. I, I used to love lean cuisines. I mean, I just did. I, I spent most of my 20s yep. doing that every night. That was easy. Me too. And so- yep. You know, and I can imagine what microwaving that plastic did to me, but. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mine was Weight Watcher lasagna. I think I, oh. yeah, I probably ate that for about seven years. Yeah, right. <laughs> in my 20s. Yeah. So easy. I mean, lean. That's right. Because <laughs> if you eat fat, you're going to get fat. So exactly. let's go ahead and do the Weight Watcher way or the lean cuisine. Uh, that's a whole other podcast, <laughs> oh Kelly. Oh my gosh, truly. I'm going to tune into when you do that one. <laughs> <laughs> we should have a panel of women yeah. that we all fell for the marketing. Oh, completely. <laughs> so, and, you know, and look and see when I travel, I look and see um, what organic restaurants there are, but I am realistic that sometimes that's just not a thing. I try and just not beat myself up about it. Um, yeah. But when I am driving, for example, in this recent cross country drive, I um, did stop in at Whole Foods. I saw where the Whole Foods were. I'd stop there and I'd get like that organic rotisserie chicken and just some mm -hmm. things and split it up. My son and I would split it up. And so it, it is a big pain and it's not fun, but I think it's worth it because you're just protecting your long-term health for sure. And you really are. And in your fertility and there are other studies that have shown that it crosses the blood brain barrier. And that really scares me because then it could be connected with Alzheimer's, which a report came out saying. And so just all of these small steps that you're mm. making every single day, just as small decisions really do add up significantly. Yeah. And so that's the good news. Yeah. It doesn't have to be scary. 
Well, I like your tip too about, you know, just check out your surroundings. I mean, we're just wrapping up summer here in Seattle and so people maybe are not, you know, going to be outside quite as much. But I I do and I see, um, I'm driving down the street and I see our city and they're, you know, the men and women are out there and they've got the big spray trucks. I roll up my windows, I turn on my recycle air and I, I just hold my breath <laughs> as I'm driving through the chemical zone. But I'm trying to, I'm just trying to be more aware of, you know, even when my neighbors are spraying and maybe I'm outside my garden, I'll just go back into my house and close up the windows, turn on my air purifier and go out again later. You know, it's, but you're right. It's, it's a pain in the, in the butt. It's really <laughs> to have to, Yeah. It just adds so much extra time to your day, but you got to look out for yourself and your family. You just do. Cause I don't think at the end of the day, when you're at the end of your life, you'll regret it. Cause you certainly would be adding years by just taking these small steps. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, Kelly, glyphosate girl, you have opened my eyes. I first heard about glyphosate at my national nutrition conference about five years ago. And I thought, what is glyphosate? (laughs) And I... So I've known about it for a few years, but now I feel like you've really given me some a targeted approach. Oh, great! To really to really make some changes, and I'm actually going to try to figure out how to I can get that urine test because I am super curious now about my glyphosate levels. Yeah, because you are cautious about what you eat, so it is interesting to see. And then you yeah. can start the mystery if they're high. Where is it coming that's, from? That's that's right. Where is this coming from? And you know, maybe I'm not being as careful as I thought, or I just need to take a, a deeper dive into things I'm I'm buying for my family. So yeah. so Kelly, thank you so much for coming on. Why did I get cancer? This was just it was just so enlightening and an honor to chat with you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for joining me today on the Why Did I Get Cancer podcast. I've got my shopping guide for all of my cancer self-care items in the show notes, along with information about today's guest and our show sponsors. And don't forget to subscribe to my podcast so you never miss an episode. Keep in mind, I'm not a doctor. I'm just a gal that got diagnosed with cancer and wanted answers. If you need medical advice, please be sure to consult with a medical professional. And thank you for listening. 